Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to episode 318 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. This is like the last big thing I have to do before I take my vacation. So I have to go down to Florida, spent an aggressive amount of money this morning on Universal Studios tickets. That happens. I'm very excited about it. It'll be okay. But man, tickets for these places are expensive. Yeah, they are. But we did the adult thing, got the fast passes, and so we'll get to see everything and Jiminy Christmas. Wrong. It's the wrong one. Jiminy is Disney, not Universal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, don't, uh, I don't know if there's a... I don't think it works, but... <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're absolutely right. I blew it. Um, okay, so later on in this episode, we have an interview with Gretchen Rubin uh, and her book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, and it's... Very similar, but different to the Marie Kondo book, but basically it's all about decluttering your life to make yourself a little bit happier and all these different tips and tricks she has, which is really great. We didn't have a ton of time with her because it was before a live event. and Before she sat down with us, she was doing a news interview, and then after she sat down with us, she was doing a news interview, and then she went on to her show. So we didn't have a lot of time. So it was a short interview. So... To add at the beginning of it, what we're going to do is, I was we were going to do a different episode as well, kind of playing off the Marie Kondo thing about the books that spark joy in us. So I emailed a whole bunch of our past guests and asked them, like, what's one book you would keep that like really sparks joy for you that you would never, never get rid of? So a bunch of those answers. And so instead of doing two different episodes, we're just going to combine them into one. Yeah. They're, it's pretty like. Yeah, no, I think it's fine. Makes sense to have them together. Um, and so I made all these authors give us one answer, but you and I can pick as many as we want. It's our podcast. Right. That's right. Uh, so we'll do that and then we'll jump into the interview. But before we do any of those things, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. You can get all, all of our social links there. We are on Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds. You can join our Viber community from there and chat books. And you can email us directly at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. Um, the Viber community, because I'm in it a little bit more often, it's just like it's just like devolved into people sending me dog pictures, which yeah. is great. <laughs> Slightly less book chat lately, more dog chat, which is okay, too. Um, okay, so we can start. So of the books you own, what are the ones that like that you would never Marie Kondo and get rid of? Um, gosh, I don't even know where to start. So I have a uh, – the one the one that I could probably never ever get rid of is a signed copy of Orcs and Crake by Margaret Atwood. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually also have my Handmaid's Tale signed as well. But Orcs and Crake is like my favorite Margaret Atwood book ever above anything else. So the signed copy of that I can never get rid of. Um, I think 
Probably also um, my copy of Misery by Stephen King, which I think is the first Stephen King book I read. And it just blew my mind because I saw him do things in fiction like I'd never seen before. There's like this whole book within a book and the way he uses a typewriter. And it was just so inventive to me. And then probably Valley of the Dolls. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's just like such a bizarre answer. But my copy of that book is like tattered and torn the cover has been taped back on because i've read it so many times and it just makes me so happy it is someone total trash and i'm well aware of that and it's just like it but it's oh it's so good we had an author talk about how much they love that at least one i feel like we've had more than one valley of the dolls conversations with other authors who agreed with you entirely I just, it it's super trashy and i don't care i just it's uh it sparks a lot of joy and i read it i read it annually that is one that i read annually is valley of the dolls yeah um i think for me well by the way when you mention orcs and craig like you got it sound that you actually got to meet yes i got to meet her at the national book festival um a couple years ago and i remember standing in line and i brought my orcs and craig and i brought my handmaid's tale and i didn't know what the rules were with regard to signings Luckily, my sister had gotten there early and stood in line so I could go hear her speak um, because by the time I got back to it, the line was like all the way across the mall, up the steps of the museum across the street. Otherwise, I would not have been able to get there. Um, I was like, can I only get one? If I can only get one, what do I do? My sister's like, I'll hold one for you and I'll get it signed. And I was the last person in line. I think we were number like the fifth person um, who was able to get to like more than one book signed. Yeah. after me everyone had to get down to just one book um but yeah so i got to meet her um in person but i just orcs and craig was not the first margaret atwood book i read um it's just it's so good and it's just yeah that's yeah i mean the, a lot of times i think meeting someone has like a lasting effect like i I feel like when I was thinking about this, it was one of two things. It was like a book that's older that I couldn't easily get or like that I've had for a long time or one that was like invo- involved a specific interaction with a person. I don't even think it's just that because I have lots of books signed, but there's just something about that book. Well, and it's also for you, it's Margaret Atwood as well. Like, sure. So. Also true. Yeah. So anyone who listens to the podcast for any amount of time knows that I'm a huge Alice's Adventures in Wonderland fan. And so... Uh, Christina, who comes on the podcast a lot when she was in New York City with her husband and one of my best friends, uh, she got me an annotated Alice from The Strand in New York City. And it's a copy that I couldn't easily find elsewhere. And it's just really, really cool and has a lot of stuff in there that it's beautiful. So that I would always keep. Um, the really, really sappy family one is my grandma's my grandmother's uh, copy of Ibsen, just like basically works of Ibsen that I discovered after she passed away. It's so I don't even want to open it. It's like falling apart. Right. Um, and then the third one for me actually is, um, and she comes up a little bit later in the podcast. But um, Marika Nykamp was the first author I ever interviewed for this podcast, and she's since become friends with us. And she signed my ver- my copy of This Is Where It Ends before it ever got released. And she wrote like Always Choose Hope, which is like the thing that she puts on a bunch of her. So anytime she signs a book, I've noticed she has like an, an awesome thing that she sure. writes in it. Um, and it was just like, that's something where, because it was the first person I ever interviewed and we've since become really good friends with her. And then that book I interviewed her before was released at all. And I was like, this is going to be a bestseller, I bet. And it was like spent over a year on the bestsellers yeah. list. So that one has a lot of um, 
podcast related fun emotions for me. So those are my three. Um, and then, like I said, I, I just interviewed a bunch of our friends from the podcast that have been on in the past. Um, and so we're just going to kind of read off some of theirs here that are enjoyable. Um, you can kind of just pick and choose which ones you want to read. Okay. I'm actually going to start with Marie just because I just mentioned sure. her. And what the email that she sent me was really, really funny. So, again, I asked all these authors for one book that they would never get rid of. And she said her exact quote was, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But the book I wouldn't do away with is, and I'm going to try to pronounce this in Dutch, uh, Het Rad van Fortuyn by Thea Beckman, because it's my very first signed book by one of my childhood heroes. <laughs> she wrote, I'm not sure you can pronounce it. Uh, it translates at, as Wheel of Fortune. It's a historical YA set during the Hundred Years' War followed uh, following a young spy. She then sent me one other one that I would I could, like. It was so much harder than even that. So that was that was hers, and it made me made me smile. And then I just started with her. So that that's hers. And she, again, she apologized for it being Dutch and making me struggle. Um, let's see. Aro Kwan picked Hopscotch by Julia Cortazar in part because it's heavily annotated. I can kind of get behind that. Yeah, I love her so much, and she's so wonderful. Like I was. Like anytime I've emailed with her back and forth about stuff, she's so like eloquent and like sends me these long, really wonderful emails. This was the entire email she sent me, just that one line, just being like, it's heavily annotated. I was like, it's all I need to know. Okay. Um, I should, we'll, we'll mention um, everyone that has, that is getting on this list is, was previous guests on the podcast. So if you just go to our website and search their name, uh, you can find their episode really easily. And I'll put in the show notes, like what episodes they're all from. Uh, Joe Abercrombie said, call me tacky, but it'd be my grandfather's uh, battered old hardcovers of Lord of the Rings. It's like a perfectly good answer. That I is love a good that answer. answer. Yeah. Um, I like Marie Benedict's. I would never get rid of the copy of The Mists of Avalon by Marion Zimmer Bradley, given to me by my wonderful Aunt Terry as a birthday gift many years ago. The book, groundbreaking for its time with its retelling of Arthurian legends from the perspective of the woman in King Arthur's world, Opened my eyes to the fact that there are women's stories hidden in history, and it sent me on my current path of excavating those narratives from the past and sharing them with readers. I love that hers is, like, related to what she does. Agreed. It's so, so good. Um, Brad Meltzer uh, told me that he would do Justice League of America 150. It was his first comic book, and it changed his life and made him believe in good. Also very wonderful. Uh, Mallory. I'm assuming that's Mallory O'Mara. That is Mallory O'Mara. I literally just wrote Mallory. <laughs> this is probably like, what, the fifth, sixth episode in a row we've mentioned I, I actually, I tweeted that. I was like, um, editing a podcast and we've literally mentioned Mallory O'Mara's book now in four straight episodes. This is five. Okay. So Mallory is, um, she says, you'd have to pry Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are from my cold dead hands. <laughs> I always love a good Planet of the Apes reference. Um, I've reread that book so many times that I feel like I should have paid for it twice. This brilliant book is about female sexuality, but it's also about managing stress and emotions. Nagoski's guidance has helped me through many tough situations and has changed my life completely. Yeah. I promise next episode we won't forget Mallory. <laughs> um, okay. Carrie Maniscalco. Uh, <laughs> she was very mad at me. She said, oh my God, how could I just pick one with a lot of exclamation points? Uh, the torture is real, but I think A Light in the Attic by Shel-, Shel Silverstein is my pick. Growing up, I was really fascinated by the combination of poems and drawings in the book, 
I was super into both mediums and thought it was a fun and whimsical way and still so beautiful. Good old Shel Silverstein. Plus she used the word whimsical, which is right up my alley. Also good. Um, Melissa Hartwig says, how fun. I enjoy a broad range of books and subjects, but if we're talking sparking joy, it has to be The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein. It has it all. Humor, loyalty, spirituality, connectedness, love, and the last bit never fails to make me cry. It's one of those perfect stories that leaves me equal parts happy and hopeful. I'm going to let you read Madeline Miller's really long one after this, so I'm going to pick Zoraida. So Zoraida Cordova, who's been on a few times as well. Uh, one of the books that lived through my purge was Done Dirt Cheap by Sarah Nicole Lemon. This is one of the best books I read in 2017, and I honestly can say that when I re- that when I reread, it is still going to have the same impact it did. Lemon is a tremendous talent and writes about girls coming of age with grit and tenderness that can't be rivaled. I mean, Alan kind of cheated and gave us two books. <laughs> That's true. You're right. You're you're right. It's okay. She. She wrote a lot about them a lot, though. So am I going to do both? Um, if you want to do the first, I'll do the second. Okay. So Madeline's First is Watership Down by Richard Adams. I know I've talked about this one before, but the epic journey of Hazel, River, Bigwig, and the rest gets me every time. The story is astonishingly well told, ending in a 100-page flat-out sprint that never gets old for me no matter how many times I read it. As a classicist, I should mention that it is highly elusive to all kinds of ancient works, from the Agamemnon to the... Aniad, but all that is invisible underpinnings. Read it because it's a wonderful book for kids and adults. Of course she would tie things into it. <laughs> um, her other is the Alana uh, Alana Song, the Alana Song of the Lioness series by Tamora Pierce. I read and reread these four books. I read and reread these four books as a 13-year-old, and I will never part with them. Uh, back then, there was no Katniss, no Hermione. The story of Alana's determined quest to become a knight and come into her power was gripping. Alana is complex, flawed, brave, loyal, and her story is filled with excitement, hard work, and romance. Uh, When I open one, I'm brought right back to my awkward middle school self, looking to Alana for assurance that it's okay to follow your own path. Um, So those are a bunch of books that spark joy with these authors. I would love to get people's uh, books that they would keep and never would get rid of. Um, this all came from long, long ago when Jill and I did a giveaway of books because I was, I guess, Marie condoing our bookshelves, mainly because one of them was breaking because there were so many books on it, so we had to buy new yeah. ones. So they're smaller now. Um, yeah. And speaking of giveaways, before we get into uh, the Gretchen Rubin interview, yes, we will have two signed copies mm-hmm. of her book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, to give away to listeners. I also understand the irony of us giving you guys stuff, but it is when talking about getting rid of things, but it's a book all about getting rid of stuff. I, I will say, and we talk about this a little bit in the interview, the, the way that her book is set up is so fun. Like, you can just open any page and there's a tip or a trick that you can try. And I said this after we stopped recording with her, like, I feel like she just walks around having awesome phrases and, like, I know. wonderful ways to say things. Yeah. But yeah, for our giveaway, go to our Instagram account. That's where we'll put uh, how you can win. Um, that's where we do most of our giveaways. If you're not following our Instagram already, you're, you're missing out. So um, anything else do you think people should know about? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this first little truncated episode we've got here and then enjoy the rest of this episode with the wonderful Gretchen Rubin on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. 
Hi everyone, it's Adam and Jill, and we are at our favorite place in the world, Cuyahoga County Public <laughs> Library, and we are joined by number one New York Times best-selling author, Gretchen Rubin. Uh, you may know her from The Happiness Project or her wonderful, wildly popular podcast, but today we're talking about her new book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. So first off, Gretchen, thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy to be talking to you. So can you start by giving us and our listeners a brief introduction to Outer Order, Inner Calm? Yeah, the subtitle of the book is Declutter and Organize to Make More Room for Happiness. And I think that kind of says it all. So this is a book, this is a light, playful book. It just throws out just dozens and dozens and dozens of ideas um, to help you decide what to keep, figure out how to put things away. Because I really do feel that for most people, not for everyone, uh, but for most people, outer order really does contribute to inner calm and a sense of kind of focus and possibility. And from talking to people about happiness and human nature and good habits, I realized that there's sort of this special emotional charge around getting rid of stuff that's in our way. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to write a book that would really tap into that. Yeah, first off, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but um, when my wife was flipping through this, there's a lot of like told you so moments for her. (laughs) Okay, okay. We're a clean couple by nature, but there's just a lot of things she'll do that she's like, see, I told you. Yeah, good, good, good. Excellent, excellent. So you two are simpatico. Okay, good. Um, But I guess, you know, what I am really curious about, one is like, are these all things that you do in your day-to-day life? Because like you said, there are dozens and dozens of suggestions in here, and it just seems like a lot of it would be almost overwhelming to do all of this. So this mm. is this is more kind of like a like various suggestions for people, right, to kind of yeah. pick and choose as they want. Yeah, well, and the thing is, a lot of times people have different challenges. So mm-hmm. like there's overbuyers and underbuyers, and and both overbuyers and underbuyers have a certain kind of clutter. Mm-hmm. But I don't have overbuyer <laughs> clutter. I'm an underbuyer, so I have underbuyer clutter. So a lot of the things are uh, a lot. Most of them are things that I've tried that work for me. But then there are things where I'm like, well, this isn't really a particular challenge of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen it work for other people or I've talked to people I love talking to people about how they feel about outer order Mm -hmm. and um and their possessions and so they're things that uh sometimes it's just I know that it works really well for other people I think what I love about it is that it is so quick I mean like the little snippet sort of you can kind of it doesn't take a lot of time to read but you can find exactly what you need and just apply it in a really quick fashion which I think is important (laughs) Yeah. Well, my, idea, my my hope for the book was it was going to be this, like, psych-up book. You know, sometimes you read a book and you're just like, oh, it's just getting me so fired up. I'm like, I want people throwing this book over their shoulder and they're racing to the medicine cabinet because they're like, I got I to gotta go through this shelf right now. <laughs> so this is a book, and, and it's happening. Um, I've heard from a lot of people now that the book is out into the world. When I was recording my audio book, my director emailed me the next day to show me before and after pictures of her office because after we finished <laughs> recording, it's like, I got to deal with my office. And this keeps happening. I did like a TV program, and the next day, the producer was like, I had to clean up my kitchen after, you know, hearing you talk. So I'm like, yeah, this is just a book just to get you started. Well, um, I, have to, I have to say, when people think of cleaning their entire life, yes. you know, what every single room every we were laughing at our office because both of our desks are a little bit cluttered oh yeah um but like it can feel overwhelming to think of like okay wow my whole house needs to be clean especially it's very apropos now spring cleaning yes but with this like jill said about it the way that you have it set up like you can literally open to any page and you there's like a suggestion and it's almost like um i remember growing up i used to read those chicken soup for the soul books when i was growing up as a kid and i just remember like i love them because i could open up to a chapter and get like three pages of inspiration and move on with my day or like this it feels like your book 
people don't have to feel overwhelmed of taking on everything at the same time. You can open yeah. up to a page and be like, okay, today I'm going to do Yeah, I'll just try this. this. Oh, that's yeah. good. I didn't think of that. You could just like do a random like uh, like uh, generator. What do you know? Like, what yeah. it's like a, Honestly, you know, idea yeah. generator. It's right. like uh, just a clutter clearing generator. That's a great idea. Like just pick one at random. Well, the book actually was, insp- the structure of the book was inspired by a book that has just enchanted me for years called Food Rules by Michael Pollan. Mm-hmm. Do you know this book? So it's the same thing. It's just like he, his is even more paired to, I do have introductory essays about kind of the nature of outer order right. like, his is really but it's just these quick ideas kind of like just very they're very memorable because you just he just says it and moves on there's no kind of linking text and so it feels very streamlined and I always loved that I felt like it was a book that I could get enormous value out of mm-hmm. but then just sort of inhale mm-hmm. and I always wanted to write a book like that and then I thought well this is perfect for outer order because it you want it suits the subject to have something kind of streamlined no I agree and I think you know to Adam's point it can be super overwhelming especially yes. if you are people who have clutter. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as one your does home. as one um, does yeah but I yeah so I think the idea of just sort of you know every day or you know picking times I'm gonna do this first and then yeah. find another page and do yeah. that it's it makes it a little less overwhelming yeah yeah well, some kind of um, experts argue that you really need to do it, do big things at once. And I think some people really like that. They like to do a big challenge. But a lot of people don't. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're shaking Blair your head. Yeah. No. Some yeah. people are just like, you know, I don't, if I had the, I don't have the time and the energy to spend a whole day on this. If I had the time and the energy, I certainly wouldn't use it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have nervous collapse if I, you know, try to do too much. So I really think, but what, what's interesting is that we often overestimate what we could do in a short time, like one day or one afternoon. But then we underestimate what we could get done if we did a little bit every day for like a month. Mm-hmm. If you did it for 10 minutes a day for a month in your office, your office, it would be spick and span. I mean, you you could do it. Mm-hmm. Very, and, and I think for a lot of people, that's just more realistic. Yeah. it's That's exactly what you said is this is where my wife and I always have these like subtle little arguments because she does exactly what you suggest is. Every night she does like 10 minutes of cleaning yes, before yeah, we go to bed. Yes, yeah, the 10-minute closer. Yeah. yeah. And so... And why she's always done it is because she said, and she's right, I will give her credit for it. She's listening, Alex. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> when we do our, like, weekly cleaning on Saturday or Sunday, yeah. it makes it that much easier. Yes. But something she always does, and I always make fun of her, is she always puts together our couch before she goes to bed. She puts the yeah, endless the pillows. Of pillows. So many pillows. Um, she always puts them back up, even though the next morning I get, up, I get up before her, and by the time she comes down, our dog is already laying, one of our two dogs is already laying on the couch. That so is she what never, our dog does. That's so funny. So yeah. she never sees it like perfect in the morning and this is when I would poke fun at her but she always says it makes her feel better yes. at night before she goes to bed yes. so this little like you said the little 10 minute closer yeah and so when I showed her that in the book she was like look Gretchen yes. says it yes that's right <laughs> clearly yeah 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 I see the role I'm going to be playing in your marriage yeah <laughs> oh like 100% fodder. Um, but it's interesting how I think a lot of people do feel vindicated when they're like, oh, something that I thought was just like my weird peculiarity is something that many people have, whether it's a habit of, of, of orderliness like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I just don't feel right in a room unless I've made the bed. Even like I make a bed in a hotel room on the morning. I check out because I'm like, I just can't I be in a room. I saw that on Twitter yeah, this morning. I, I was laughing. Yeah, I just can't be in a room and not make the bed. Um, but um, but then also kind of on the flip side, sometimes people, you don't realize that a lot of people struggle with something. Like speaking of offices, one thing that a lot of people have is it's like you like, it's kind of a chilly day. So you bring in a sweater and then you forget to take it home. And then mm-hmm. it's another chilly day. So you bring in a sweater. And then pretty soon you have like 10 sweaters at work and no sweater. So it's like, okay, 
you can manage that. Like, let's come up with a system so things go home because it can really make you feel cluttered. And it's also then annoying because you don't have what you expect to have in your own house. You run out of plastic containers for food or boots or whatever. I'm just thinking of all the stacks of books in our office. I, despite being a digital book company, our office, we get so many like I bet. reader copies. <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do with them? Do you give them? Do you so have a, Jill and I, with the podcast, we have begun giving books away, yes. which people are like, wow, it's so great that you guys are doing giveaways. But in reality, it's like we have so many yeah, arts that's, that you can't do anything with. Um, that's great. That's Overdrive great. as a company, it's honestly like there is no good answer other than giving them to employees because we get so many, but they're there are sort of advanced reader copies and yeah. you can't really you can't sell them you can't sell them, no, can't sell them. No. we can't yeah. donate them libraries can't really use them either because no, obviously they're not they're not for people who don't know an arc is a advanced readers copy is yeah. like a it looks like a paperback and mm-hmm. it looks like a real book but it's not the final copy right. and it's yeah. and it's very against book industry mm-hmm. etiquette um to do anything much with them right but they're like a real book it's like yeah. this is a thing this is a kind of clutter that really like irks me um, is things that are too nice for what they are, but not nice enough to be yeah. the real thing. Like you get something from a store and it's in a really, really good box. And mm-hmm. you're like, this box is really good, but it's not good enough to like put a present in it and give yeah. it to somebody. It's not nice enough to like use it for the next 10 years to like hold stationary. And yet it doesn't just feel like something to throw in the recycling. So uh-huh. then what do you do? It's sort of in this middle ground or like, oh, it's this shopping bag. It's not really a tote bag. But it's more than just a bag you would toss. And this and art and an advanced reader's it, copy, same thing. It it's is. almost a paperback, but it's not good enough to be treated like an actual paperback. Right. Oh, even totes. Like speaking oh, in a library oh, in like a library. I, get me started with tote bags. <laughs> yeah. And if any of the library conferences that we go to all the time, every single time I'll see one of our publisher friends, I'm like, Do you want a tote? And I'm no. like, Of course I do. And then yeah. I get home and no. I'm like, Oh no. No, no, no. I'm like bags. step away from the tote bag. Yeah. I have like twenty tote bags, but each one is special to me. Right. I'm like this one zips. This one has this cool pocket, but I'm like, don't take any more. Um, terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No bags. Yeah. yeah. There's so many. Yeah, we have so many. In our so, yeah. But I wonder if you could donate them to libraries for people who checked out books that can't that like or carry. Yeah, yeah. Tote bags. I think you could probably find a good home too. Yeah. That I think is definitely doable. Right, but uh, it's better just never to take them. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. else that I really like about the book is, and you mentioned, you know, there's the kind of 800 pound. 800-pound gorilla, elephant, yeah. whichever one it is. Either one. Yeah. Um, is, you know, Marie Kondo is yes. doing all of the yeah. life-changing, life-changing magic of tidying up. But I love something you mentioned towards the end of your book is, like, her, it's kind of like she has one, yes. it's like she has one thing she's yeah. doing where she's like, does this spark joy? No? Yeah. Toss it, and that makes my heart hurt. Um, but the way you have it, there's you have a lot of, like, things in here that you can kind of meet people in the middle. Like, yeah. again, talking about my wife, one of the things that we do is having two dogs, we have places where their toys are supposed to go. But if you put all their toys away, they it's like they're goldfish. They forget that they're there. Yeah. So they don't go and they don't yeah. find their toys. So they just look at you and give you those sad eyes. Whereas if you kind of put their toys out, they'll go yeah. get them. So that's one of the things we've kind of compromised on is yeah. she doesn't like any clutter. She, but I'm like, they're dog toys. It's only fair that right. we have them out. So like, I love the fact that in here you kind of say like, whatever of these work for yeah. you, you yeah. don't have this like hard line of like, yeah. Yeah. Away everything. Well, the thing about Marie Kondo, who I love, and like I binge watched the show, and I I read the book right when it came out, so I'm a huge fan of Marie Kondo, and I got a lot of I got a lot of great ideas and insights from her. But she really does argue that she there's one way to do it, and there's the best, and that's the best way, and that's mm-hmm. the right way. And I just think for a lot of people, it's it's not the best way, it's not the right way. Not that it doesn't work really really well for some people, but I don't think that you 
then some people can't do it and they feel like they're a failure or, you know, or they feel sort of defeated. Like, well, if I can't do it her way, then I have to live in squalor forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just like, there's a lot of ways. If that way, pick and choose what you like for Marie Kondo and then pick and choose other things right. too. One of my favorite things is at the back where you have the top 10 tips oh, for creating yeah. outer order. Yeah. And it's just like a very basic sort of, you're going to start somewhere and this is what yeah. you do. And yeah. I love to make the bed as your number one. Yes, yes, yes. Unless you're somebody who's like, I devoutly do not want to make that's my bed. That's okay. It's okay. That's but okay But I always too. grew up making my bed. I mean, like I would have to make my bed before yeah. school. My mom would yell at me if I didn't. And so, but if there's something when you go to bed that it's yes. right. And like pulling back yes. the covers. Yes. Which is the best feeling. It is. But um, one of them is the weekly power hour. Yes. Which I, is something I do. And I oh. and I have found, like I was, I was on Adam, when I come in Monday mornings, the first thing I do is I sit down at my desk and I take out my bullet journal and I like figure out like what everything like my tasks for the week yeah and it does help a lot with um time management and priorities and so I love that that's included oh that's great yeah yeah Yeah. power hour is great for the things because a lot of things they can be done at any time so they get done at no time because it's like well why would I go to the shoe store today versus tomorrow and so then it just never happens so I think any kind of way that you're making sure that you're making mm-hmm. time for those things um, can can really make your life feel a lot smoother. Well, yeah. then can you also explain in addition to that, like the one minute rule, which mm. I really love. That's yes. something yes. where I struggle with until Me I read too. this. And I was like, God, that's such a good point. So can you kind of describe yeah. that to people? Because it's such, it's, I feel like a lot of the stuff in here is just like using logic, but you're the person <laughs> who wrote it in a book. Yeah, and yeah, now yeah. I was just like, oh, Well, sometimes point. you just need like a phrase for it. Yeah. Or, you know, just be like, oh, it's that. Under the one minute rule, I have to say, I'm kind of surprised how many people are like, this is the thing that transformed my life. Because I'm like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like rocket science. But it's just, my own father was like, this, this is the idea that really distinguishes you. I'm like, okay. Um, so the one minute rule is uh, anything you can do in less than a minute, do without delay. So if you can hang up your coat on a hook instead of throwing it on a chair, if you can print out a document and put it in the proper folder, if you can carry a you know dirty dish into the dishwasher. And what that does is it just, there's a kind of scum of clutter on the surface of life. Mm-hmm. And, it, and these things are inconsequential, but they make us feel weighed down. Like if every time you walk in, you, you feel like, there's the pillows, there's the dog toys, there's the magazines, where's the remote control? Like, I, oh, my keys aren't supposed to be there. It just starts to make you feel very drained. And so the one minute rule just gives those things. Like I could just put the remote control back where it's supposed to be easily. Mm-hmm. And then it just, as you get more and more in the habit of doing it, just things that, just a whole layer of clutter goes away and that makes your life a lot just easier and smoother. And again, a lot of things don't take more than a minute. And so you can be surprised at how much can get done. I can say that the one minute rule has helped tremendously oh. with my closet. Ooh. So what are the kinds of things that you would do? So like my closet, you know, when I come home from work, I would have this really bad habit of just like throwing my shoes off yeah. and just wherever. Yes. Or um, when I would just like put making sure to put clothes in, I, mostly the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, shoes are easy. That's good. But I mean, you know, but now I have like, this is the place where my shoes go. Yeah. yeah. And this is where they go when I am, you know, I'm done taking them off or jewelry or, um, you know, in my closet, I have little drawer things of miscellaneous, whatever. Yeah. And they started, there's like, this is my hair stuff. This is my makeup stuff, whatever. And then they never actually stay that way. Yeah. Yeah. But now, you know, I'm when I'm done with my makeup, it goes in the makeup thing. Or when I'm done with my hair, it goes in that. And it's really easy, but... 
I always know it's, yeah. it stays organized that right. way just for a really simple thing of making sure it goes backwards. And just back. reminding yourself that it really doesn't take that much. It Correct. Take, it's a tiny bit more time. Correct. But I feel like, and sometimes I think it's like one of the things is to make it fun to get the job done. And I think one of the reasons that I like to have outer order is it's just, I find a pleasure in putting things back right in their exact places. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's like very satisfying. So I, I think counterintuitively I think it's easier for things to have an exact place than, a, mm-hmm. than an approximate place um, and so it's like where do the batteries go the batteries go on the second of the bottom shelf on the far right side of the you know hallway kit you know and and, uh, and I like that. Being, I also am somebody who really, really doesn't like to look for things. Apparently, um, uh, American adults spend 55 minutes a day searching for misplaced objects. Oh, my God. I know. Think well, of what you can do. If you're like, I don't have time to read, it's like, <laughs> yes, you do. Just put your keys away in the same place. We actually had that happen. Because, <laughs> I mean, we have your copies of the book, and Adam... <laughs> Adam's like, do you have your like, do you have the copy here? And I'm like, sure I do. And I'm like, I, I seriously spent a ridiculous amount of time digging through my desk trying to find Watch, it. Watching Jill try to find your book about yeah, yeah, Claire and Clutter. Claire and you're, Clutter you're was like, like my, I was at race of soliloquy. I was yeah. like totally like giggling. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I wish you had a picture. Of that. I, I, it was so funny. Yeah, yeah, was Jill like, frantically story. searching yeah. for the book. I will say one other thing that you have in here that I wish I would have known like a year ago is my wife and I and listeners are probably like, Adam, stop talking about your new house that you moved into. But But I had this year-long process where we built this house. There's always delays. But when we moved out of our house, we were kind of rushed. And so we packed up everything. And we headed a storage unit with basically our entire life. And then we spent a year not seeing that stuff. And I will say I'm very proud of my wife because she would take out boxes of clothes that she hadn't seen in a year. And she would open it and she'd look at it and be like, no, I didn't miss these. I didn't even think about these. So we donated... What ha- what amounted to half of my wardrobe and a few wow. of my life? That's a lot of clothes. Wow! And but I was laughing because one of the things you stress about, like if you're moving, yes, when you're moving on your way out, yes, clear mm-hmm. everything out before you pack it, yes. and you don't want to unpack, yeah, all in this your stuff. pristine new place. Yeah, but then also you're paying for that. I mean, you're paying for the box that goes right. into. Oh, you're yeah. paying for whether whether you have movers or you're doing it yourself. I mean, there's some costs to just. Oh, moving, yeah. moving, moving. And then don't even get me started on storage units because that is a business we should all immediately rush to invest in because it's so much stuff is in storage oh, that yeah. people don't like you had it for a year and you mm-hmm. had to. So that's like what I think where, where you can where you need storage. But sometimes I think people there's the decision fatigue of not knowing what you want to keep. Yeah. And so rather than make the decision, which mm-hmm. can be taxing, you're just like, well, I'll just keep it all. and fi- And then. And then you just never, you don't even remember it's yeah, there. It's, yeah, like you said, I was forced into doing it, but still, we could have had two-thirds of it. Like, a yeah. third of that stuff we donated, so. but it, That's it so satisfying, though. It was satisfying until I thought, I was like, look at all that money we just spent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's okay. Oh, wow. Um, I know we're kind of rushed for time with you, so I guess, like, my one, like, last question for you is, like, if there was one rule that you would use for people to kind of, like, get started, like, what would mm. be the one thing you would tell people who, mm. like, I can never do this, my life is so cluttered. Like, what would be the one kind of rule you would say? Like, just try this to get started and mm. see where it gets you. I think it, as you're looking, I think the, the problem is knowing whether what to do with it. So I think the question to ask yourself, a really useful question is, do I use it? Do I need it? Do I love it? Because if you love it, if you use it, if you need it, then it is serving a role for you. But if it's like the vacuum cleaner attachment to nothing... <laughs> The, you know, the, the cord, the charging cord oh to God, the thing that you don't own cords. anymore. I mean, so many char- the cords, 
cords, chargers, and cables. Yeah. They're just everywhere. We have a million remote controls. What do they go to? I have no idea. Do we even still own that device? I don't know. <laughs> Um, and then a lot of times we have stuff related to things like, oh, I have a perfectly, my brother-in-law said this to me, this is a perfectly good fax machine. I'm like, and yet you never send a fax because nobody sends fax anywhere. <laughs> He's like, but maybe I would need to send a fax. I'm like, in which case you would need a fax phone line, which you do not have. Right. So give it away because probably there are industries where people still use fax machines. Give that thing away. But like, why are you keeping it? Like, yeah, you know, you're not using it. You don't need it. You don't love it. It can go. So I think that is a very useful question as you're pondering your stuff, even if it's just one thing at a time. Perfect. That's like awesome. It. Gretchen, yeah. I feel like we could talk forever. Thank you so Thank much. You Thank so much. you. It's so fun to talk to you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.